Man, I'm excited about us kicking off this series, Made for More. Has anyone else been looking forward to this day as much as me? I'm just diving into God's word. This is a word that God has put over this year for us as a church, more. And we started to talk about that on Vision Sunday, but now, over six weeks, we're going to dive deeper and really understand the more that God's talking about when he says that you and I are made for more. And the best way to get the most out of this experience is to be here every week, so come, uh, sit, uh, sit close, come early, lean in to everything that God wants to say to us in the messages. I know that God's going to be speaking to us. We have a few special guests that are also going to be sharing in the midst of this series, and you don't want to miss any week of it. But another way to get the most out of this series is by going deeper in small groups, getting connected somewhere. And so we have small groups that are launching today. Can I tell you, church, that we have reason to celebrate? We have the most small groups ever as a church launching today as Evangel. We've never had anything like this. We have 40 groups that have launched and are launching that signed up. So so many of you that opened your homes, thank you, that opened your lives, that are new small group leaders. And for many of you that signed up to be a part of groups, but guess what? There's still more room. There's there's more room. So we want more of you to sign up and to get the most out of this experience. Uh, What you're going to find is as you jump into a group, you're going to be receiving a group guide. If you're in a group, you've already received this in your email. And it's kind of, anyone remember reading those books, uh, Pick Your Own Adventure books? where you kind of get to a point and you figure out which way do we want to go here. That's kind of how our small groups are designed this season. It's really cool. We started to go through the lives of six people who were made for more in Scripture, and here's what we found out. There are a lot more than six. There are more than we could even count. We just kept counting. And so we saw that there were 12 that were just amazing stories, and we wanted to share them with you. So six of them you'll hear about on Sundays, and six others you'll have the chance to explore deeper in small groups. So on the front of the page of, the, of your group guide, you'll see this is from today's message on Joseph, and you'll have questions and conversation and things like that. But if you flip on the back, it says exploring more through Moses. You get to look into the life of Moses and dive a little deeper and study. So however your group would like to do that, you have the opportunity to just dive into God's word and get the most out of it. Amen? Amen. If you have your Bibles, would you open with me? We're going to be in the book of Genesis today, chapter 37. And man, my heart is on fire for what God wants to say to us. And my, my prayer is that, um, that we're just going to receive a word from him today, that what he wants to say and what he wants to do, it's really more than we could ever imagine. So I just want to pray and invite the Lord to come and speak a word to us. Heavenly Father, I thank you today that as your spirit is speaking and has been speaking, Lord, it's evident that you want to speak a word into our hearts, that you have a, a timely word, Lord God, for us from, you, from your word, from scripture. I pray today that you'll make known your thoughts to us, Lord God that we just open our hearts, we open our lives to you, and we want to know the more that you have for us, Lord. We want to understand this truth that comes from your word, from your heart, Lord God. May we no longer live a life that's less than everything you have for us, but Lord, we step wholeheartedly into whatever it is that you put before us. So today, Lord, come and speak. Holy Spirit, I just invite you to take these words and make them known to us. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. So we're going to look into uh, this series as we, as we jump into it. There's a few framing thoughts that I want to put before you. The first one is this, that God sees more than you see, and God knows more than you know. Now, some of you, that might be a surprise. You think you know more than your parents, more than everyone on the face of the earth, uh, but God knows more than you know, amen? And some of us, we feel like we have perfect 20-20 vision. Can I tell you, your vision, as great as it might be, is not the whole picture 
of what God knows and what God sees. In fact, God declares in Isaiah chapter 55, verses 8 and 9, my thoughts are not your thoughts. Neither are your ways my ways, declare the Lord. As high as the heavens are above the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways. And my thoughts higher, someone say higher, higher than your thoughts. So what God is helping us to understand is that he sees things on a completely different plane. We see things from one point of view, and that point of view is flawed. The Bible says we see in part, we prophesy in part, we know in part. We don't see the whole picture, but God does. Do you want to know what's even more exciting? Not only does God know more than we know and sees more than we see, but do you know it's God's desire that we would know what he knows and see what he sees? It's actually God's desire for you to know, and he has those thoughts, and he has those realities, and he wants you to know those. He doesn't desire for you to walk in the dark. He desires to reveal things to each and every one of us as we have a relationship with him. Some of you will say, well, I want to know everything. Then God is say, you can't handle everything right now. Some of us, we want to see the whole picture, but God will only give us a part of that for a very specific purpose. We're not ready for it all. Turn to your neighbor and say, you're not ready yet. You're not ready. Now turn to them again and say, but let's get ready. That's what this series is going to be about. Let's get ready to receive from the Lord what he wants to say to us, what he wants to show to us, and how he wants to lead us. So God wants us to see what he sees. He wants us to know what he knows. And one of the ways that God does that is through dreams. God does that by speaking to his people. He'll speak through the prophets. So he'll speak through prophecy. He'll give visions. He'll give dreams, the Bible says. And these are ways where God is making his thoughts, his heart, what he sees, seen among the people. And so this is part of how God moves and speaks to his people. Can I tell you this? That one God-given dream can change your entire life forever. I want you, God-given dreams change everything. They transform your life. They took me from someone going in a completely opposite direction, but God had more in my life. I want you to know God has more in your life. He has more than he wants to do in you. He has more than he wants to do through you. I don't care if you've been in this thing for one day or for decades. God isn't done with you if you're still breathing. He has more. He's proclaimed and declared more over your life. The problem is so many of us are living less than. We're not embracing and walking in the fullness of what God has for us. You know, we can look at these stories. We're going to explore the life of Joseph, and it's in the book of Genesis all the way in the beginning. And some of you who understand the timing of when these stories took place originally, you think, that's so far removed from me, Pastor. That's like Old Testament. It's like beginning of the Old Testament. It's like thousands of years ago. What does that have to do with me today? Can I tell you that it's still God's desire, just the same way that he gave dreams to Joseph to give you dreams? to show you things about you, who you are and who he's called you to be. He desires for that to happen. In fact, we find in the New Testament, in the book of Acts, that there's a prophecy about the future, about the days that we are even living in today of what God wants to do. Look what it says in Acts 2.17. It says, in the last days. Does anyone believe we might be living in those last days? Here's what God says. I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions, and your old men will dream dreams. What did we say about how God makes his thoughts known, how he makes what he sees seen to us? Prophecy, visions, dreams. What did he say will happen in the last days? That I'm going to give that. 
that I desire to disclose that. And he does it by his spirit. His spirit lives in you if you're a follower of Jesus. And he desires to make his thoughts, his heart, what he sees known and seen to you. So let's step into it, church. Let's not live in the dark. Let's not turn a blind eye. Let's fix our eyes on him and say, Lord, show me everything you have for me. Come on, would you just bow your heads with me right now before we get into God's word? Would you invite him personally? Come on, invite him. I've invited him personally to speak to me through this message. Would you do the same right now? Lord, we invite you to come and to speak a word to our hearts, to help us to see, Lord God, what you want us to see. And I pray specifically, Lord, that you will identify and put your finger on areas that have come against the plans and purposes you've had for each one of us. And Lord, we pray today that there will be a resurrection of dreams, that there will be a resurrection of vision. The things that we thought were dead will come to life and stand in front of us, Lord, God, empowered by your spirit that we could walk it out. We give you this word now. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. There's a danger to dreaming. Let me tell you that. Because in the same way that Pastor Rick shared during worship that that young man came and, and, and said to Jesus, I want to follow you, there was a cost associated with it. For him to really step into everything that God had for him, it was going to cost him something. And the same thing is true. We want to know the great plans God has for us. We want to know the incredible dreams, but we often fail to recognize there's a, there's a price attached to it. There's a price of what it would cost us to fully walk in the midst of it. And unfortunately for some, it's a price we're unwilling to pay. And we've walked away from it, and we don't even know we've walked away from it. Are you with me? And so that's what we're going to explore. We're going to understand the power of dreams and how we can ultimately overcome some of the greatest things that kill dreams in our lives. Genesis chapter 37, this is about a story about Joseph. Joseph is one of the sons of, of Jacob. He's a man who loved the Lord, who inherited the promises of God and saw them. And he had all kinds of children. And this young child of all his children that he had was most precious to him. He made him a beautiful coat that was very colorful. And uh, that technicolored dream coat that he had uh, was a very special um, symbol of his father's love for him. But his brothers didn't appreciate that very much because it looked like he was being elevated even though he wasn't oldest among his family. And to make matters worse, God's hand was on Joseph's life as well. I want you to know sometimes the very hand of God being on your life can actually upset some. It doesn't make everyone happy. And, and, and the blessing that God was putting on Joseph's life was upsetting his brothers. And now God was ready to show Joseph something. He was ready to show him the dreams and purposes he had for him. Look what it says here in Genesis 37, 5 through 8. One night Joseph had a dream. And when he told his brothers about it, they hated him more than ever. Listen to this dream, he said. We were out in the field tying up bundles of grain and suddenly my bundle stood up and your bundles all gathered around and bowed down before mine. No wonder they didn't like him very much. And his brothers responded, so you think that you will be our king, do you? Do you actually think that you'll reign over us? And they hated him all the more because of his dreams and the way he talked about them. To make matters worse, he doubles down and has another dream. And this time, his dad is involved in it. And he goes and says, Dad, I got an idea. I got a dream. And his dad rebukes him and says, what are you talking about? <laughs> We're all bowing down to you. So evidently, there was something going on in the way he was delivering it that was getting under the skin of those around him. But it was all birthed from a very good place, a place that God had. Do you know sometimes that God could birth a very real thing, but he needs to bring you through a process to make you ready to receive it? I don't know that if he would have experienced the fullness of what God was showing him in that moment, he was even ready for it. But it's time to get ready. So there's a process. Often between the promise and the payoff, there's always a process. We hate the process. 
We hate the process. The process is what God will use to grow us, what he'll use to develop us, and it's so counterintuitive, it only can be God. It's so, it's so different, so backwards, it makes no sense. So I want to tell you today, if you're trying to follow God and you feel like you're honoring him and you're in a backwards, broken way, you might be on the very path that Joseph was on. And God may be bringing birth to a dream that you, had nothing, you, you couldn't even handle if you knew it all. But he's doing it through a very backwards and even un, uh, misunderstood way. So this is what we're going to understand here, the power of dreams. And, and here's what I'm worried about and I'm concerned about as we consider dreams is that I believe there are more, someone say more, more dreams in this house than you could ever imagine. That every single person, I'm telling you, every person, if you're breathing, lift your hand in the air right now. I believe for every person here, God has a more for you. He has a dream for you. He has a purpose for you. He has a plan for you. It's not just preacher talk. I'm telling you this because God's word declares it. And I don't care if someone else told you you're worthless or you don't have a purpose or you're less than. It doesn't matter. It matters what he said about you. Here's what I believe, though. I believe that so many of those dreams, they're stuck somewhere. They're dead somewhere. They're buried somewhere. And what I'm just believing is that God's going to show you where it is, and he's going he's to resurrect it even today. At this altar, he's going to lift it up out of that place that you thought was dead, and he's going to bring new life to some old dreams. And I'm going to tell you, there's some old men here in this house, you're going to dream dreams again. You haven't dreamed in a long time. There are some sons and daughters in this house, you're going to begin to see visions of where God's leading you, and God's going to speak it out to you and make it known. But you need to know this word today because there are places that dreams go to die, that dreams get stuck and buried. And if we can understand it from the heart and life of God's word, we're going we're to walk through it. We're going to have a different way of viewing it. So what we need to understand is where dreams can go to die, where we find them get stuck sometimes in life. And one of the things that I think can get in the way of us ultimately receiving the dream, believing what God says about us, right? Because I'm trying to, I feel like I have a burden today to convince you that God has a purpose for your life. I really believe that. I believe for some, I'm pushing a boulder uphill for some of you just to get you to believe that God has a dream for your life. Man, that's where we're starting today. You know why? Because you have been surrounded with people that have tried to convince you otherwise. Their, their expectations of you. You started to dream. You dreamed as a young child. I believe that this is what how I believe God wants to do. They said, no. No, no, that's not, that's not for you. No, that's not it. No, you're not this enough. You're not that enough. No, that's impossible. No, that's crazy. No, you're just being emotional, whatever it might be. And here's what I'm telling you. It says in the Bible there that they despised Joseph because of his dreams. Their expectations of him were so much less than what God had birthed in his heart. You need to stop allowing your dreams to try to line up with the expectations of other people or they're going to die before they ever begin, right? They're going to be gone before they ever start because you're trying to get them to line up with what someone else thinks. I'm telling you, someone told you you weren't enough. That's good. That means he's more than enough. It doesn't matter what they say. And it doesn't matter what you are. It matters what he is and who he is and what he says. And he's more than enough. Trust me. So we, we see that. But one of the first places that it'll die is in a pit. And this is what happens for Joseph. One day he's going to see his brothers to bring them some food. And his brothers, he's trying to catch up with them. And, and as they see him coming... In verse 18 through 20 of Genesis 37, they recognized him at a distance. And as he approached, they made plans to kill him. Here comes the, say it with me, dreamer. They said, come on, let's kill him and let's throw him in one of these cisterns. And then we're going to tell our father that a wild animal has eaten him. And then, ready? Catch this. 
Then we will see what becomes of what? His dreams. I never saw this before. I was actually hearing from a pastor earlier this week. It was amazing. And I believe it's partially for your benefit today. He, he said, you know, did you guys catch that in verse 20? He said, we often get this story mixed up. We think that they're after Joseph. They're not trying to kill Joseph. They're trying to kill his dream. It's really, they're, they're, they're coming against the dream. And that's the goal here. It's not, then we'll see what comes of him. Let's see what becomes of his dream. There are some, and I want to tell you, there's one person in particular, that the dream that God has birthed in your heart is a direct threat to him, and it's the enemy of your soul. I want you to know the dream that God's birthing in your heart is a direct threat and affront to the kingdom of darkness and to Satan. I want you to know that what God's birthed in you, it causes him to become so frustrated, and his desire is to kill that dream within you, is to stop the enemy of God has nothing more in his heart than to stop you from moving forward in the plan and purpose God has for you. And so he said, then we'll see what becomes of his dream. Do you know that there has been assassination attempt after assassination attempt on the dreams that God's brought into your life? And they've been flying under the radar. You have no idea. You thought it was an attack over here. You thought they were after you. Some of you thought it was personal. Say it's personal. You thought it was a personal. No, no, it was, it was the dream that God put in you. The enemy wanted that so bad that he'll use anything that will be influenced by him, willing to be influenced by him to get after the dream that God has in your life. And so I missed it. Let's not miss it. Because then we'll see what becomes of his dream. And so this happens and, and he gets thrown into a pit. They take him, they throw him into the pit, they're going to kill him. But then some, some traders come along that are heading to Egypt and they are like, you know what, let's just sell him into slavery. We won't have his blood on our hands. And then, you know, you know why they were willing not to kill him? Because it was never about killing him or not killing him. It was about killing the dream within him. And so, again, the enemy will use anything at his disposal to kill the dream within you. And here's the thing. Once it's gone, once he feels like he's succeeded, you know what you can begin to experience? Comfort. Man, when you hear the word comfort, you should, you should get uncomfortable. Because I think some of us, we've started to chase after dreams that God had for us. We started to say, you know, I believe God is calling me for this. I believe God has put this before me. I believe this is his purpose for my life. And we begin to walk forward. And then, you know what happens? You get ambushed. Someone betrays you. Someone hurts you. Someone throws you in a pit. Something comes at you that is completely unexpected. And it, and it puts you in a place where you just feel stuck and you don't know what to do. And in that moment, you know what so many do? They let their dreams get buried at the bottom of a pit. And then they walk out of that pit and they walk into a comfortable life and they don't feel any of those attacks anymore. And they think, you know what? I must be doing something right because things are so easy now. Things are so comfortable now. I want you to tell it's dangerous if you're marked by God and now you're living in the comforts of this world thinking everything's okay. I want you to know, you know why it's okay? Because he already got your dream. He doesn't need you anymore. He got you to just sit there pacified, satisfied for less than everything God has for you. You're good. You're good. Keep going. Come to church. Do this. Drop some money in the offering. Go on. Like, do your thing. But you know what's going to become dangerous? And when you become a threat, start to say, no, I'm going down and I'm picking that up again. Lord, I'm not going to let go of the dream because I'm just in a pit. I'm going to run after everything you have for me. That starts to change things. So in that pit is the first place the dreams go to die. And that, that pit is really, it, it's, it's that unexpected sideswipe. It's that betrayal. It's that, that thing that came at you and against you and, and almost tried to overcome you. And some of us, we were so confused by it. We don't know what that's all about, but what if it's a part of the process that God's using to do something bigger than you ever imagined? What if it's connected to the dream and the purpose God has for my life? But it's painful, pastor. I know it's painful. It's so painful. And here's what I want you to know. We never get out of this first step in living the dream that God has for us and ultimately 
understanding how we're made for more if we don't get a right perspective on pain. We need to develop the right perspective on pain. I want you to know there's nothing scarier than pain with no perspective. So whenever you're going through pain, you're feeling pain in your body. Has anyone had a mysterious pain in their body before? Lift your hand if that's you. How did that feel? I mean, it's, it's not just the pain of it. It's the not knowing that hurts the most, right? It's the most, it's the not knowing that's scary. When you go to a doctor and they say, what is the scariest thing a doctor can tell you? I don't know. You don't know. For some of you, you felt a pain in your body, and then the doctor told you what it was, and here you on the other side, and it instantly feels better. I mean, it's, it's still there, but because you now have a perspective, it changes everything. You know what happens? When we go through painful situations, and there's no perspective to frame it, it amplifies the pain of it. It amplifies the difficulty. It amplifies the challenge. And, uh, and you know, it's scary. It's scary to think about it. And it becomes paralyzing. That's what I believe. I think some of us, men we're stuck. Our dreams are dead and stuck and paralyzed in a pit because we had no perspective for the pain. We had no perspective for the pain in the seasons that we walk through. You know, it reminds me of my wife and I uh, one night talking about, you know, kind of mysterious pain in the body. Um, one night, my wife and I were out at, um, we were out to eat with family. We came home. We had a great night. And then unexpectedly, Mandy had this like deep pain in her body. And it was like a pain she had never felt before. It was like a, really, a, a tightness. No one wants to hear tightness, right? That's like, oh, hold on, wait, what's going on? And we knew instantly we had to rush to the hospital. We had to, we had to, get, we had to get to the hospital. Can I tell you that was one of the best days of my entire life? No, not, not the tightness. Well, yes, the tightness. Because it was contractions, because her water had just broken, and she was giving birth to Lily. Oh, you missed that, right? You missed that, didn't you? What, why? You didn't have a perspective for the pain that my wife was going through. The perspective, when I know that the pain is because something is being birthed that's so precious and valuable, then we welcome the pain with joy, and the whole time we're heading to a hospital in pain, we're rejoicing because we know, God, you're birthing our daughter through this pain. Not everything that's painful is unpurposeful. Not everything that's painful is bad. Sometimes God uses painful things to birth beautiful, beautiful results. And so this is what happened for us. But you need a perspective, didn't you? Just that one perspective. Now sorrow and fear and anxiety turns to joy. Did you see it? I saw some of your faces. I said, it's a great day. You're like, oh, yeah, that is a great day. What if God would show some of you the pain you've been walking through is actually a birthing process? I'm birthing something in and through you. Would that change something for you? Well, it changes just your perspective. We need to develop a perspective for our pain. Whenever our pain has a perspective, pain with God's perspective is productive. Hear that, okay? Without perspective, it's paralyzing. With God's perspective, it is productive. It produces something within you. James chapter 1, verses of 2 through 4 says, Consider it pure joy, my brothers. And my sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, lacking nothing, not lacking anything. For some of us, you know what happens? We get into the pit and it's hard and the pain's there and we then want to give up but we need perseverance in those seasons to say, keep going. He said, let perseverance take its course. And so some of us, we step out of that and we say, okay, Lord, I'm going to keep my eyes on you even when I'm in the pit. Do you want to know what happens then? God lifts you up and he brings you somewhere else. Sometimes it feels better. Sometimes it feels worse. I can't tell you for sure how it felt for Joseph, but God brought him from a pit and put him in Potiphar's house. Now he's a slave. 
Now he's a servant. He used to be free. Now he's a servant. But he kept his eyes on the Lord. And he said, Lord, I'm going to continue to honor you. Some of us, at the first moment of that trial, at that difficulty, of that pain point, we start to give up. And you know what starts to unravel? Maybe our character starts to unravel. Maybe we say, you know what? This following God and being faithful to him, maybe our faithfulness starts to falter. And we say, I'm just going to live for myself. I'm just going to respond out of my pain. I'm just going to do whatever I can to pacify it because I'm going through something here. How many of you have felt that way before? You, you have justified doing something you know you shouldn't do because it's like, I'm just going through something right now. I'm going through a season. Nobody understands that pain causes us to just do things that we regret in the future, right? So he comes out of a pit. He's got some, I mean, that's where bitterness starts to come in. You've been betrayed by someone. And here he is. And God honors him. Here's what it says when he gets to Potiphar's house. The Lord was with Joseph. He succeeded in everything he did as he served in the home of his Egyptian master. Man, he had no idea that what he thought was a mess was God's door to more in his life. God was about to open a door, but he had to remain faithful. He had to keep his eyes on the Lord because it's also in Potiphar's house that there is the place of temptation. That's another place dreams go to die, on the altar of temptation. And so we see that as Potiphar's wife comes, she finds him very attractive. And you know what I believe can happen? There are things that look like they're very attracted towards you, that they're very good, that they're very helpful, but you have no idea. The goal is they're there to assassinate the dream is put in your heart. They're there to come against, directly against the dream. And guess what? He could have cashed in and said yes to Potiphar's wife and no to the dream that God ultimately had for him. But what did he do? He said, no, I can't dishonor the Lord. I can't dishonor my master. I got to remain true and faithful to the dream and the purpose and the calling God has for me and he moved through that even though it would cost him do you know even to overcome those challenges still might cost you something your integrity will cost you it's not cheap but he walked in it and because of that he was then thrown in prison falsely he was falsely accused. He's thrown in prison. How many of us have felt like, I've, and Daryl even said, I've taken some steps of obedience, and I feel like every time, every time, Lord, this is backwards. And what we start doing is doubting that God's even here. Is God even in the equation? Is God even moving? Is what's going on? Is this even worth it? Because everything I seem to do right is only bringing me lower and lower and lower. That's why I'm telling some of you, you need to hear this. This message will set you free because you thought I'm only going downwards as I honor God. And sometimes the Lord says, you kneel down and I will lift you up. You try to build yourself up, I'm going to have to bring you down. So through this humble, humble, broken way, God was giving birth to a dream the whole time. Every pain point, every trial, every difficulty, man, I'm telling some of you your story. There's just a different name attached to it. And here he is in the prison. And at this point in time, he could have been done. He said, you know what? It's been too, too many things. Like, this is, this is crazy. But he kept his eyes on the Lord. Genesis 39, 20 to 23. So he took him through him in prison. When he was there, the Lord was faithful and showed his faithful love to Joseph and made everything that he did prosper. And it says in verse 23, the warden had no more worries because Joseph took care of everything. And the Lord was with him and caused everything he did to succeed. God is birthing something through the pain. Beautiful things are made through painful processes. God was still working and working something out. But listen to me, don't devalue what pain might be producing within you what the challenge might be bringing forth and birthing in you. This is what's happening here because at a moment's notice, there's an opportunity. And so one day, the, the two of the prisoners that are there, the Pharaoh's cupbearer and the baker, they have a dream. And each dream had its own meaning. And when Joseph saw them, it says in verse 6 of chapter 40, 
he noticed that they looked upset. He said, why are you so worried? And they said, we both had dreams last night. No one can tell us what they mean. And at that moment, Joseph could have said, I used to dream like that too. It's crazy. It's only going to get worse. Don't dream. Don't listen. Get, get as far away from that. It's good that you don't know. Knowing knowing's bad. What does he say? Interpreting dreams is God's business. Come on, tell me your dream. He's still inviting dreams in the middle of a prison. He's not done. He's not keeping his eyes off God. He continues to have the right perspective. I'm telling you, that perspective will sustain you through every painful part of the process if you'll keep your eyes on the Lord. And so they told him the dream, and he interprets it. He says, one of you, Baker, it's not, not looking good for you. You're going to die. <laughs> Cupbearer, it's good. God's going to exalt you. He's lifting you up. And it happens exactly as he said. But here's what he says. Listen to me. When God lifts you up out of here, don't forget me. Don't forget about me. So he lifts him up out of there. He's there. And then this painful verse of scripture. Pharaoh's chief cupbearer, however, forgot all about Joseph. Never giving him another thought. How many of you have done that? You said, you know what, God? I'm, I'm, going, I'm only going the wrong way, it feels like here. But I think I found someone. If I hitch myself to their wagon, maybe I can get to that place you've called me to. Maybe if I can kind of take this in my, don't forget about me. He forgets all about him. You know what? I'm thankful that he forgot about him. Because if he gets lifted out of there because he remembered him, not because God was working, then guess what? He's the one leading and guiding the story. And, he, and Joseph isn't fulfilling everything God has for him. We've got to not look for people to get us to the places God has only called us. God can do it himself. He's, he's got it, if we'll remain faithful to him. But I want you to know, when that happens for me, when I'm trying and I'm reaching for everything and people are letting me down left and right, I'm done dreaming. At this point, I'm done. I'm like, uh, what, what's the purpose? Why should I continue to do this? And then we stay stuck in the prison. We're in a prison of our own choice. We, we say, you know, I'm done. I'm never getting out of this place. Dreams go to die there as well. You know, it, it, it wrecked me, and you can come on up, Pastor Rick, that... My daughter, we, we have all kinds of rituals before we go to bed, things that we'll do with her. And uh, one of them is, you know, we pray together, we sing songs together, we read uh, the Bible together, we, um, I, I don't know, my, my wife goes in there like 7.30 and it's like midnight. And I'm like, honey, are you still, what are you doing? Like, it's like five hour good nights here. Um, it's an exaggeration, but not that much of an exaggeration. And like, and yeah, so, so that happens. And the final thing that I remember growing up that I would say to my child before I, when I wouldn't say, but my parents would say to me, and parents just say it to kids, is sweet, sweet dreams. So I always say that. Sweet dreams, honey, sweet dreams. And then one day, as I'm saying that to my daughter, she says, no, daddy, no dreams. I said, no dreams, no dreams. I don't want any dreams. I said, no, honey, it's you know, no, it's good to have dreams. not bad to, no, I don't want any dreams. I, please, please, just pray no dreams. I don't want any dreams tonight. Okay, honey, no, no dreams tonight. You know, but I leave like sad, like no dreams. Like what is this, what is this all about? And that's what happened for, for a period of time. And I realized we got to the bottom of it. One day, Mandy and I were talking. I said, no, honey, sweet dreams. No dreams. I said, no dreams to you. And Mandy and I were there. I said, honey, no, I, 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 we want you to have dreams. And Jesus can be there with you. She said, no, because I had a bad dream. And I don't want to have another bad dream. Sometimes it only takes one nightmare for you to stop dreaming. It only takes one nightmare to keep you from dreaming. And so we, we look at that, and here's what I felt as I, was, as I was working on this message. I felt like, 
as I'm standing there, her father over her saying sweet dreams, and she's saying no dreams, and I just got a vi- an image of just us as a body and so many of us here, that as the Lord looks over you and watches over you and draws near to you, you put up your hands and you say, no dreams, God. No dreams, Daddy. No dreams. Because there's been hurts and things that have happened and nightmares and difficulties. You're done dreaming. But you want to know what's so beautiful one day? One day, Lily woke up from her nap and she walked out with this big smile on her face. I said, what's up, honey? She said, I had a dream. It was amazing. It was awesome. It was so fun. It was like this goofy, crazy, you know, candy thing. But she loved it. I said, look, dreams can be good. Come on. Like, I'm, I'm telling you, my, my wife and I were prophesying last service. Like, my daughter will dream dreams. She will have visions. She will, that, whatever is going on there is not going to stop what God wants to do in her life. But, but can I tell you that that happens for so many of us. You know why it's so powerful that the Bible says in the last days, old men will dream dreams? Because old men have been through enough nightmares to probably not want to dream dreams anymore. You've seen enough of life. And you say, no more, Daddy. But what would it look like to say, Lord, I'm ready to dream again? Heavenly Father, I'm ready to dream your dreams again. I'm ready to see what you see. I'm not done dreaming. Because when you take that posture, that's the moment God's ready to do something. And in that moment, at a moment, uh, notice, the Pharaoh begins to be tormented in his dreams. He doesn't know what they mean. No one knows what they mean. And in that moment, the cupbearer says, oh my goodness, I forgot. He said, my failure, I'm remembering right now. And he tells the Pharaoh about Joseph. And he says, bring him here at once. Joseph says, could you imagine? Joseph comes, Pharaoh says, hey, I had a dream. No, don't, don't get the dream anywhere near me. I'm done. I'm done. I'm done. I'm done with the dreams. He says, God will give you the interpretation. Come on, give it to me. He tells him it. It's about a famine that's coming. It's about all this. He gives him the plan. And now he says, you know what? No one's like you. No one has the spirit of God. No one's honored the Lord like you. He sees something in Joseph. What is all that? It's everything God was producing in him up until this moment. And he says, now, I want you to come. I want you to be put in front of everything. No one will be more powerful than you, than me in, in this land. You're here second in command. The very fulfillment of the dream God gave him. In that moment, God birthed it, but he was ready at every step of the way. He never allowed the dream to die. He kept the right perspective. He kept his eyes on the Lord, and the Lord honored it. But can I tell you, there's one final thing that you have to have, and if you miss it, you're going to miss it all. That after the pit in Potiphar's house, in the prison, there's one final test. Can I tell you what that test was for Joseph? It was his past. His brothers now show up. So many people miss that part. It's your past hanging there, reminding you, trying to get in the way of it. And he could have done something to his brothers that would have forfeited the dream that God had for his life. But he honored God and he kept the right perspective. And look what he says at the end. Genesis 50, verse 20. Talk about the right perspective. You intended to harm me, but God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. He said, I know the dream, but I see that God was doing so much more. Someone say more, more through the dream than I ever imagined. Because the dream wasn't about Joseph and it wasn't about his brothers. It was about a nation being saved. It was about lives being transformed beyond what he could ever imagine. You need to get the right perspective on the pain maybe you're walking through to begin to walk in the fullness of what God has for you. So would you stand to your feet with me this morning? Today's a day of response. Today's a day for young men and women to get visions and for old men to dream dreams again. And for each one of us that want to experience the fullness of what God has for us, 
to not hold back, to not stay stuck, but to come fully and say, God, if you have a plan and a purpose for my life, I want to know it, Lord God. I want to see what you see. I want to believe what you say. I want to know what you know, Lord. And today that just begins with making yourself available to him. He says, in the last days, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions and your old men will dream dreams. Your pit is about to become your platform. Your your pain is about to get a new perspective. God's going to show you how he's been leading you and guiding you. But it starts at a place of surrender. I give you all of me, Lord. I just want to receive what you have for me. So if that's you today, I'm just going to invite you to come to this altar. Don't worry about the person on the left or on the right, but if you need to just experience and you want to receive and know from the Lord, Lord, what is it you have for me? Just come to this altar right now. If you want to know the more that God has for you, we're going to pray. Because I believe it's at these places of just a time in God's presence that he begins to make known what he wants to know, you to know. And, uh, and for me, I don't know the plans and purposes he has for you. I just know he has them. But it's in places like this that God wants to make it known to you. So just come out of your seats. If you're in the balcony, come on down. You can come down as well. We're going to wait for a few moments. We're just going to worship here at the front. And you just come. You just come and you just begin to ask the Lord. As you come, this is between you and him. Say, Lord, I want to know what you know. I want to know, Lord God, what you have for me. Lord, I want you to give me a new perspective on the pain that I'm walking through. Without you, you just come. But I want to talk to others today. With those sitting in, in, in the, standing in the main seats, just bow your heads and close your eyes and listen to me for this moment. I want you to know that the key, the moment that you can begin to receive the plan and purpose God has for your life, it's found in coming to Jesus. It, it comes through a relationship with God. The reason all these people are standing here today is because God knows them and he wants them to know what he knows. And that's, that's the language of relationship. And today, if you don't have a relationship with God, today, if you feel far from God, you're not as far as you think. You're just a heart's turn away from him. All you need to do today to have a relationship with Jesus is to come to the Lord. Come with your baggage. Come with your junk and say, Lord, I'm laying it at your feet. You come with your sin and you say, Lord, I turn away from it. And I believe that you're real. I believe that you're here. I believe that you died for my sins and rose again. And today I'm going to follow you all the days of my life. And if you're ready to do that, we want to walk that journey with you. We want to experience the joy of what God's doing in your life. You're not here by accident. And so in this moment, it's it's a deciding moment in your life a defining moment, but I want you to know you're not alone. Look at all these people standing up here that just want God's best for their life. For you, if you want God's best for your life, it starts with a relationship with Jesus. So if you're here today, you say, Pastor, I don't, I'm not right with God, but I want to be right with him. I want to have a relationship with Jesus. If you're here, just wave at me right now. You don't got to be embarrassed by that. You don't got to be ashamed. Come on, just lift your hand up right now. I see you in the back. Is there anyone else? I see you up in the balcony. Come on down. I see you in the balcony as well. Come on down. Let's celebrate with what the Lord's doing. Praise God. Praise God. If that's you lifting your hand. We're excited for what God's doing. I want to pray for you right now. If you would be willing to come, please come down here. If not, right where you're seated, would you just pray this prayer with me? Lord Jesus, come on, pray it with me. Lord Jesus, I ask you to come into my life to forgive me of my sins that have separated me from you. I believe that you died and that you rose again for me. And today I commit to follow you all the days of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Praise God. I'm so thankful for those of you that prayed that prayer. Come on, would you just celebrate that for a moment that God's met you? 
He's birthing a dream in you, but we want to pray with you and talk to you. So please don't leave without talking to one of us. For those of you that are down here right now, you're standing this altar. You've just been praying, Lord, show me the dreams. Show me the plans you have for me. Come on, I just want to begin to pray over you right now. Would you just take a posture of just uh, surrender to the Lord? Maybe lift your hands before him. If you're standing, you're afraid to come down for whatever reason. I'm just going to pray that the Lord, by his spirit, will make known to every person what he has for them, the unique thing he's designed you for. And so we're going to begin to pray right now. And you begin to ask God just to reveal that to you. Lord Jesus, I thank you for, Lord, the hearts of so many that are responding to you in this moment. I thank you, Lord God, for those that are turning their hearts to you in this moment. I thank you that you've made us for more than we could ever imagine, that you have a dream, a plan for our lives, Lord God. And I pray now, Holy Spirit, would you begin to disclose, would you begin to make known in the hearts of many, begin to birth the dreams that you have for your people, Lord God, that they could walk in the fullness of it. Oh, Lord, we thank you. Lord, we thank you for the process. We thank you even for the painful seasons, Lord God, because they're giving birth to something beautiful. So, Lord God, would you right now, by the power of your spirit, just begin to speak. And as the Lord's speaking to you, just begin to hear him, just begin to respond, but also begin to receive that for yourself. Say, Lord, yes, yes, so don't push it off, don't fight it anymore, but just receive from the Lord what he wants to say to you right now in this moment. Thank you, Lord Jesus, Lord God. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord. From the front to the back, I just sense the Lord speaking to so many right now. Come on, let's just press in for just a moment. Just ask the Lord, even right now, you might be standing in the back of the balcony. You think the Lord doesn't want to speak to you. He has something for you. Begin to ask him right now. Every person in this room, just begin to ask the Lord, what do you have for me, Lord God? What are your plans for me? What's your desire? What's your purpose, Lord God? resurrection of dreams, Lord God, in the hearts and lives of many people. That, Lord, even now, I just sense new life coming, Lord God. I sense that you're burning a new fire in the hearts of people, Lord God, to lean into what you have for them. So today, Lord, we just receive everything you have for us, Lord God. We desire to walk it out. So I pray, Lord God, what's beginning today, what's beginning in this moment, Lord God, would lead your people through a process, a process of discovering and walking through it and experiencing the fullness of what they were made for. Lord, we were made for more. And today we just declare, Lord God, we aren't going to stop. We aren't going to stop short. We aren't going to allow anything to stand in the way of us walking in the fullness of what you have for us. So, Lord God, we just speak against anything that's coming to try to stand against, to try to interfere with, to try to cause extra pain, unnecessary burden. The Lord, we thank you that your favor will meet your people in every place they find themselves today. For those in the pit, Lord God, give them your perspective. Help them to see past bitterness. Help them 
to walk through it. For those in the place of temptation, Lord God, give them a strength and a courage to walk through it. Keep their eyes on you, Lord God. For those in a prison, in a place of betrayal, a place of being forgotten and feeling so alone, in a place of depression, Lord God, in the name of Jesus, minister to them right now, Lord God, and show them, Lord God, as you honor, as they honor you, you honor them, Lord God. Honor them, we pray in this moment, Lord God. And for those who are constantly tormented by their past, Lord, would you show them today there is no condemnation for those that are in Jesus, that today you've separated their past from them and you've given them the victory over it, Lord God. Help them today to walk in the fullness of your plan, we pray. In Jesus' name, we lift our eyes to you, our Redeemer, our Lord, our Savior. We receive this word from you today. In Jesus' name, and all God's people said, amen, amen, amen. Praise God. God's good. Come on, church. Let's worship him. Let's thank him. Let's magnify him. Amen. You don't need to rush out of here. If you want to continue to worship, we're going to go right back into that. I'm going to invite our altar team to come forward. We have a prayer team that will be here. But if you want to keep pressing in, there's no rush. Uh, we want you to be able to experience whatever God has for you. Uh, God bless you as you go. If you signed up for Growth Track, we'll see you over there in just a few minutes. And I uh, look forward to what God has in store.